following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. bitterly angry they were so angry in fact they wanted to grab a hold of him and do him bodily harm jesus had been speaking in parables about the end of the age jesus had been addressing the questions about the kingdom of god now, you may get very angry today about what I'm going to say to you, but I'm only going to say to you what Jesus said in his parable. It cut across their hearts. It cut across their daily lives. They were confronted with the reality that they were hell-bound and that made them angry. They trusted in the formalism of their religion. They trusted in their fasting and their sacrifices. They trusted in their regular attendance at the temple. They trusted in their laws and their culture and their history. And then in the midst of all of that, they had their favorite sins. They lusted after the flesh. They lusted after power and authority. They were ambitious, but they had added to all of the wickedness of their heart religion. I'm not going to speak to you about religion, for I think it has little, if any, value. It's not religion that we're interested in. It's the man, Jesus. 
And it's walking with that man, Jesus, in such a manner that when he comes in his kingdom, he will include us in the great feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb. I want you to be included in the wedding feast of the Lamb, but you cannot be included in that feast if you continue to walk in known rebellion and sin against the Almighty God. So let's go down there. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's hear what Jesus wants to say. We'll begin in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Jesus is speaking to them by parables, and now he begins a new parable. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Now, I want you to know that a parable was a popular story of the day, and it had one primary point. Every part of the parable is not necessarily applicable. But he's trying to say something very clearly, but in picture form. And so he's telling us what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And so he describes the kingdom of heaven as a king who arranges for a marriage feast for his son. And we know right now, as did the Pharisees in chapter 21 of Matthew, verse 46, that Jesus is addressing the religious world of his day. And he's saying to them, listen, there's a marriage feast of the Lamb that's going to take place. And he's speaking about himself as the son of the living God. And there's going to be a great wedding feast. This is the story of the gospel. Verse 3, He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are invited or bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and then slew them. Okay, let's get the picture. Jesus is telling us what the kingdom of God is going to look like at the end of time. When the announcement is made, you are now welcome to come to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Many will say, I have other things I have to do. I'm not interested. Most in America today are not really interested in the wedding feast of the Lamb. They have many other concerns. They have their work they have their families, they have their sports, they'll show up at church if it doesn't interfere with their favorite television show, 
They'll show up in church if it doesn't inconvenience their life. But if they want to go that day to an entertainment center of some kind, Six Flags, or you could name them, then they won't be in church that day because the central focus of their life is not Jesus. The central focus of their life is their life, living their life the way they choose to live it, adding into it everything possible that they can add to squeeze out every bit of living that they can squeeze out. Go with the gusto, they say. Work hard, play hard. Grab everything you can grab as you go through because you only go through one time. So, the focus is not Jesus. The focus of their life is not, how can I be a part of the wedding feast of the Lamb? Their focus is on their jobs and their money and their cars and their houses, their relationships and everything else that is so vital to them to keep them balanced and happy. And You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So some are just not interested. They walk away. But others say, Come on. You can't be serious, Pastor. You want me really to give up everything in my life and follow Jesus. Why should I do that when I can keep my pleasant life? I don't have to leave my sin, and I can attend church every week or when it's convenient for me. I can participate in their social activities. I can participate in their Super Bowl parties. I can participate in all the culture, and I enjoy that. But you're asking me to give up my life and follow Jesus? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I have to make money. I have to get ahead in this life. I have a new car to buy. I have vacations to take i want to take this cruise viking cruises oh i want to take a viking cruise on one of these little boats i want to go through europe i want to see budapest oh how many people i've tried to talk to about jesus but frankly it's too inconvenient they'd rather talk about their next cruise their next trip They chit-chat about every foolish thing. They have no real interest in the wedding supper of the Lamb. They're consumed by their own stuff, their own worries, their own passions. They're concerned with their own crisis. They're filled with their own bitter roots of anger. They make light of this invitation to give up everything and follow Jesus. They make light of the whole idea that they could live without sin before God. So they go their way. One to his farm, another to his merchandise. To his store to sell more stuff. And then some will get very physical and very angry and judgmental. And we'll say, Pastor, you're not teaching properly from the Scriptures. 
Why are you reading this or why are you doing that? I need to sit down with the scriptures and get you straightened out. You think the Pharisees didn't want to do that with Jesus? Of course they did. They were angry with him. They were bitter with him. Now, when the king saw that the people were not going to come, he was angry. And when he saw that they had killed his servants, he sent his armies and he destroyed and burned their city where those murderers lived. I want you to hear this, please. God is not a pushover. God calls for righteousness, for innocence, and it's practical day-by-day innocence. It's not consumed with our own thoughts and our own American lifestyle. I want to say this to you, please, very plainly. You will never get to heaven. You will never get to heaven riding on cushions. You will never get to heaven riding on your cushions. To move with the Holy Spirit in power will cost you the comfortable ride through this life. To get to that wedding supper of the Lamb You are going to have to turn your back on your life and on your friends and perhaps even on your family. You're going to have to turn your back on this world, on the devil, on the flesh and the cravings of the flesh. You're going to have to turn your back on fornication. You're going to have to turn your back on the television and your cell phone. You're going to have to turn your back on those things which consume you and keep your attention away from Jesus. You're going to have to seek him with all your heart or you will never find him. Do you think it's easy to go to heaven? It is not easy to go to heaven. I'll show you that in the scripture in just a moment. He said to his servants, that is the king, who is preparing a wedding banquet for his son, says to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Who's he speaking about? The Pharisees. The religious people of his day he deemed unworthy to enter into his kingdom. Do you think it would be any different today? Of course not. Religion makes a man or a woman unacceptable before God to be a part of the wedding feast. It is being crucified with Christ. It is denying myself. It is taking up my cross and following him that makes a man or a woman ready and prepared to enter into 
the wedding feast of the Lamb. He says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them come to the marriage. So these servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. The wedding supper of the Lamb will not be short of guests. The king will not be dishonored. He will find the good and the bad, and he will transform them into his servants. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now I want you to note this, the incredible kindness of God. Here is a rebellious man who thought himself adequately attired for the king's banquet in his own righteousness in his own garments. He did not want to wear the provided garments. Now, in this day, it was not uncommon when there was a royal wedding that the guests would come and would be provided with the clothing proper to wear at a wedding for royalty. And so now, the king comes to see the guests and as he's walking among the guests, here is a man without a wedding garment on. And the king says to him, Friend, the king is asking courteously and kindly. He is calling him friend. Where is your wedding garment? And immediately this man could have answered and said, Oh, sir, I am so sorry. I simply bypassed that. May I go and be clothed properly? And the king would have said, Of course you may. Here, I will accompany you. Let's go get proper clothing for you. Let's get you fixed up. Let's get you dressed for the wedding banquet. I don't want you to miss this wedding banquet. But this man, the scripture tells us, was speechless. Obviously, he had been offered the wedding garment, and he had thought himself sufficiently well-dressed that he was not going to put on the robe that was offered to him by the king. Please hear me. You cannot enter the wedding feast of the Lamb without the king's garments on. You will not be allowed to enter into the wedding feast of the Lamb dressed in your own clothing. There must be a stripping of your old filthy clothing. There must be a washing and a cleansing. And then there must be a dressing of 
You must get dressed to come in royal clothing, linen white and clean, without spot or blemish. This does not happen when a man dies. This happens when he comes now to be dressed and ready for the banquet. And if you rebel, and if you refuse, and you say, I can come in and I can eat at the table and I can be as good as anybody else, and I can carry anger and bitterness in my heart. As one dear brother said to me, Pastor, I discovered I had a donkey spirit, and I had to get on my face and pray until that donkey spirit was removed from me. Do you have a donkey spirit today? Are you rebellious? Are you self-satisfied? Are you just a religious churchman or churchwoman? Or are you a servant of the Most High God? Are you dressed in the clothing of the King? Let's be very practical. To be real, it must be practical. This man is now going to be bound hand and foot. His servants, the king's servants, will take him away and cast him out into outer darkness. And there this man will weep and cry and gnash his teeth because he has been cast out of the presence of God. If you walk in your own sin, in your own clothing, if you walk in your own entertainment, if you are not utterly given over to Jesus Christ, if the work of God is not being done in your heart, if you are not weeping before God, if you are not standing by faith, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, if you are not purifying yourself from all uncleanness. When the king comes to look, he will see that you are not dressed appropriately and you will be cast out into outer darkness. Now listen. This is Matthew 22 Verse 14, many are called, but few are chosen. You would not be listening to this broadcast today if you had not been called by the servants of the living God. You would not know about the wedding banquet if you had not heard about it and you were invited by the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of it. But if you are distracted by all of the stuff of your life, and you are turned away from earnestly seeking after Jesus, if you are spending your time being entertained by the world, or seeking after the things of this world, if your heart's cry is for money, 
if your heart's cry is to live your life the way you want to live it, if your heart cry is for the lust of your flesh, if you're sitting in front of that computer and watching pornography, masturbating, committing fornication, lusting after money, judging others with anger in your heart and putting them down. If your heart is focused on your own survival and your own best life that you can create for yourself and you are jealous of other men and women and what they have and you covet what others have and you say, God is not fair. Look, he's given me a poor hand compared to that person or this person. Why is God treating me so poorly? You will be cast out and you will have no part with God. You have been called, but you will not be chosen. Now, I want to identify for you very clearly what this robe is. We have to go to another portion of Scripture. It's found in Revelation, the 19th chapter, I wish I could read this whole section for you. The 24 elders and the four beasts have all fallen down and they're all worshiping God. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voices of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and is the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's describing this great wedding banquet of the Lamb. Let us be glad. This is Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteousness of the saints this is not the imputed righteousness. This is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus. This is the imparted righteousness of Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in actually creating in us this wonderful, wonderful gift of being made clean, of being washed. This is the incredible gift of the appropriate clothing to be brought into the wedding feast. But 
Jesus said in John 14, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. In other words, every branch that does not bear the fruit of righteousness. Every branch that bears no fruit will he cut off. Please, he's speaking about people. He's speaking about you. Will you be cut off from the branch, from the vine? You see, it's the vine that has the sap. It's the vine that has the strength. It is the vine which supplies life for the branch. So he's saying, if you have come to Jesus but you just have religion. You have no vital connection with Jesus Christ. Your heart is cold. You're backslidden. You've cut yourself off from God. He's saying you will be cut off from Jesus. He's saying God will take an active stance on your behalf and he will cut you out of the kingdom of heaven just as in the parable of the kingdom of heaven at the wedding feast the king comes and he cuts out of that assembly the man who is there without the wedding garment on who has no righteousness who is unclean who thinks he can come in his own strength and his own power And he's saying every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I have been sharply pruned to the point I look dead. But I know in the midst of that pruning the wonderful love of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus having turned away from all sin, walking clean before him, being filled with the devotion and the love of my heart for Jesus, and knowing that I want nothing to separate myself from him. And so the Father comes, and he says, Okay, you have foliage that looks like you're bearing fruit, but you're not. You're spending your time building foliage. Let's cut this foliage away from your life. Oh, I tell you, that can be exceptionally painful. But the result is much more fruit being born. Verse 3, this is John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. I want you to see this. Please, my brother, my sister, you've heard this before, but don't walk by it quickly. Jesus will only remain in a person who chooses to act in righteousness before God, 
who chooses to remain in Jesus Christ. Some of you want to remain in your worldliness and you love the things of this world. You love being fawned on by other people. You love the applause of people. You love pleasing people and having them being very positive toward you and complimentary toward you. You want to keep the peace. You don't want to cause any disturbance by talking about Jesus. You just want to get along to go along. You refuse to remain in Jesus and speak his truth plainly, with love, but plainly. You want that relationship. You want that job. You want that entertainment. And you want to say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do because... I keep all of these things that I'm supposed to do when I go to church regularly. One man I know is a Coptic. And so he believes that because he's a Coptic, always a Coptic. And so he'll be saved because he's a Coptic Christian. But he doesn't practice the Christian faith. My heart breaks for him. We're called to walk clean before God in righteousness. He's saying, you must take the initiative to remain in Jesus. Now let me say something very plainly, please. Some of you will weep before God and you will enter into Jesus. But you don't stay there. You will repent of your sin, but you do not remain in holiness before God. Instead, the first thing you know, you're back lusting after your money. Or the first thing you know, you're all out for that relationship. You never will settle down and remain in Jesus. And some of you, you just want to be independent. You don't want to be a part of the church. You're too busy. You don't want to come apart and pray and wait and struggle for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, you're too independent. You have your own life. You have your own crisis. You have your own deal. You must take the initiative to remain in him. And he is the head of the church. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says again, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Wow. I've read that so many times. But I finally have come to a place in my life where I know that this is true. You can accomplish nothing of any eternal value if you do not remain in Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing for his kingdom. Now, you may exhaust yourself doing wonderful things, good things, but it will have no lasting value. You can do nothing without remaining in Jesus. How I wish someone had said that to me when I was in seminary many years ago. How I wish someone had said to me, Ray, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything of value for Jesus until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that was never spoken to me. Instead, I was urged to take the gifts and abilities that I had and go out and employ them fully in the work of the gospel doing Bible studies, visiting families, preaching, teaching, starting exciting programs. And I did all of that. But I look back and I say, of what value was all of that work when I was not baptized by the Holy Spirit? I know baptism by the Holy Spirit is the absolute essential to be able to do the work of God. So what I'm trying to do today, and I've done all this last months with Alexandra, my wife, we've been trying to lay the groundwork theologically, biblically, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and for revival in Washington, D.C. Who are we to do that? Nobody. We're nobodies. We're simply servants of Jesus that he's called and given us the opportunity to speak to you on the radio. And our cry before God is that revival would break out in this city as the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out on on us and others in power. We know what God wants to do. He's made it plain in his word. But again, let's come back to our passage. He says again, if anybody, this is verse 6, if anybody does not remain in me. He is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. I have watched countless numbers of people who have not remained in Jesus, but they've remained in their religion. And I've watched as they have withered away 
and backslidden. And some have stabilized as institutional Christians going through their little confession of their sins and being absolved by the priest. They've been able to go through all the programs of the church. They go and pay their tithe, but their hearts are cold. There's no passion for Jesus. There's anger and bitterness and harshness and defensiveness. They take a stand for the sinning Christian. And my heart is grieved that these branches who do not remain in Jesus withers away into nothingness. He says such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That's what will happen at the end of time when the king comes and he looks at the people who've come, those who have withered away. They will be dry. They will have no oil of the Holy Spirit. All they'll have is their institutional religion. Like the Pharisees, they had their institutional religion, and they were deeply offended by this man, Jesus. Jesus comes today to you, and he says, Will you give up everything and come and follow me? Will you remain in me? Will you let my words remain in you? Will you be a follower of Jesus? Will you be a follower of Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus today? Are you withering away? Are you cold of heart? I praise God for one person who wrote to us and said, I want revival. Oh, I want a multitude of you to say, We must have revival. We must have it now. And you will pray and you will give and you will enter into Jesus and you will say, I lay my life down for you, Jesus. We must have revival. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. If you ask for revival, it will be given to you. If you ask for a new heart, it will be given to you. If you ask for the wedding garments of righteousness, they will be given to you. We're not made righteous by our own hard work. This is not righteousness by the law. This is righteousness that comes straight from the heart of God in His Son, Jesus And by his precious blood we are washed and made clean. And we no longer have an interest in the wickedness of this world. We no longer have an interest in the entertainment of this world. We no longer lust after the things of darkness. But yes, we desire Jesus. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit showing yourself to be my disciples.
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You know when a person runs away and refuses to lay down his life, that they are living like a Pharisee, full of their own righteousness. God has called us to humble our hearts before him, to turn aside from our own stuff, to surrender our lives to Jesus and to enter into him day by day by the reading of the scripture, by fasting, by prayer by earnestly speaking to others about Jesus. If you are not speaking to others earnestly about Jesus, you have a cold heart. You're filled with your own concern for yourself. You deny Jesus before others. And Jesus will deny you before the Father. You think you've worked out some system of religion that's going to justify you? You think you've worked out your own little experience with Jesus and you can deny sharing the gospel with others? That is sin. It is wickedness. Oh, what I so earnestly desire for you today is that you would utterly divorce yourself from all religion and earnestly seek after Jesus with all of your heart and lay your life down for him and enter once and for all into Jesus Christ with a heart and soul utterly given to him asking him to totally be in charge of everything that you think and say and do, and that your heart would be filled with love and mercy and compassion, that you would give up all accusations against a brother or a sister, that you would give up all judgments and all self-righteousness, that you would determine in your heart that you will lay your life down for another. That you're not going to be about trying to establish yourself. That you would rather die than cut another off and bite them with bitterness. I've asked the Lord to give me a heart of compassion and mercy to give me a heart of, of weeping for the lost and the dying. To give me a heart that earnestly searches after Jesus and beseeches him for the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last night we had a, 
a powerful time of prayer in the upper room, earnestly, earnestly praying and standing by faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need such an explosion of Holy Spirit power in this city, or we will never be able to reach the lost. I thought about some great churches in America, and there are some. But with great sadness, I recognize, as they're in that community or that city, they've never been able to transform that area. Sinners have not been brought to Jesus. The the community is basically untouched by their ministry. I've done that for too many years. I'm not willing to continue. I want the power. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to transform Washington, D.C. into a place of holiness, into a place of repentance where the, the sick are healed. I just spoke with a dear brother this morning His back is killing him. He's at work, but he's in such pain in his back. And I can pray, and I have prayed for him, and I'll continue to pray for him. But until the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, I have no power to heal him. And of course, it's not me who would ever heal. It's the Holy Spirit flowing through a vessel. It is Jesus who heals. But without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we do not have authority over demons and over sickness and over sinners. I pray today that in this broadcast, in the few minutes we've been able to share together, that your heart has been quickened that your heart has been touched by the Holy Spirit, and you will begin to say, I will remain in Jesus. I will enter in, and I will seek the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for I want to bear much fruit for Jesus. I pray you're saying, I will give up dressing in my own clothing, my own religion, that you will cast aside your own righteousness and you will seek after Jesus with all your heart. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress today. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We're coming to the end of the month. This is a faith ministry and I'm praying that as God quickens you, you will give to a faith ministry. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
and I thank the two brothers who this week went on the internet and two gave minutes. online. Two minutes. Thank you. It will go directly to pay for this month's broadcast. Now we are week by week meeting in what we are calling the upper room where we are not preaching or teaching but are gathering together to encourage one another to witness the work of God in our hearts and to pray for the fullness and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pray for us, will you? Pray for your own family, but pray for us. Pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for Pastor Ray and Alexandra and others at the National Prayer Chapel. We must have the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory.